Welcome to another episode of the Faith on Fire podcast. Whether this is your first time listening or you've been tuned in from the beginning, I truly appreciate everyone who clicks play. And in particular, this episode, I'm so grateful that you're listening. If you're playing this in real time and have been following along with this season, you may have noticed that the episodes have been a bit sporadic and there's been quite a gap since the last episode was released, episode six. This year, season two has been a roller coaster for me, and it's both gone as planned and not according to plan at the same time. So first, I just, again, want to say thank you for everyone who's listened this season and even more thanks to all the guests that I've had on. When I started planning for this podcast season, I knew that I would be expecting my first child over the summer. And with that in mind, I tried to get all of my episodes recorded and scheduled in advance of that and trying to get ahead of it. And I was successful to the extent that I was able to record some, but getting them out was much harder than I thought they would be. So just giving that part of the backstory so you know why it has been not as consistent, but I'm so glad I was able to get the episodes that were done out. And it was that in and of itself is an accomplishment that I'm proud of. And I'm really thankful for the guests that I got to speak to this season. And for that reason, I was even more determined just to get them out, whether they were on time or late. I wanted to honor their time spent with me and the information shared. And I thought it could be really beneficial to the audience. So I really hope you got something out of this season. The episode you're about to listen to will be the last one for season two. And I can't tell you what to expect for next year or the next season, but I would love to continue these conversations once I figure out how to balance being a mom full-time, having a full-time job and podcasting and running Faith on Fire. So without further ado, this is the last episode of season two, episode seven, Limiting Liability and Understanding Business Risk. You're listening to the Faith on Fire podcast, the pod where faith and financial independence intersect. I'm your host, Simone Brumel, here to share financial coaching and education through a biblical money mindset. Follow me on my path to financial independence, and I'll give you tips on how to navigate yours. Money is a tool, so learn how to use it wisely. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Faith on Fire podcast. As mentioned, I have a special guest today. And before we go any further into the topic or what we'll be talking about, I'll pause here and let her introduce herself. Hello, everyone. My name is Quarium Douglas. Quarry for everyone that knows me. I am the owner and operator of QKI Consulting, LLC. I'm an attorney by trade, so I'm a compliance attorney that also works with a nonprofit. And then I also own the firm. So basically what I do is help entrepreneurs and small business owners, aspiring um, business owners, basically set the tone for their business legally and strategically for business purposes. So we talk about all kinds of things in regards to starting your business. And I'm a attorney and business consultant to help people get through their initial business struggles. <laughs> right. Well, again, thank you for being on the episode today. 
And as always, I enjoy talking to lawyers and attorneys because I definitely appreciate the work that goes into becoming an attorney. So I'm excited for today's conversation. So we're going to be talking about business risk and liability, the main reason you, you need a lawyer for having your small business. And especially today's day and age, we've seen a lot more entrepreneurs and people stepping out to start their own business. But a lot of times we may not understand the risk and what goes into starting a business and just even some of the startup considerations. So I figured we could have a, a great conversation around that today. So you mentioned QKI, your firm. So can you give just a little more background on what services you offer and how you aim to assist the clients you have? Yes, definitely. So I actually have just gone through a few changes with the services that I offer. So I'm happy to talk about this right now. So basically what I do is I offer business registration services, which is one, educating um, entrepreneurs and business owners slash potential business owners, right? How to register their business and what entity would be best for them. We're in very much the LLC culture. We have LLC Twitter and all of that. And so sometimes people kind of get misconstrued to think that like, oh yeah, I'm just going to go find my LLC and I'm going to post my certificate and I'm good. And it's a little bit more than that. There's more strategy that needs to go into it. There's a bit more planning telling people what operating agreements are, right? Because you can set up an LLC, for example, and then try and go to the bank to get funding or set up an account. And they're like, we need to see, you know, proof of your operating agreement. People are like, what's that? (laughs) Because you don't need it necessarily to register. So you could potentially be a business owner and not be a business owner, if that makes sense. So that's how I like to um, explain it to my clients. And Also, going back, some other services that I offer, if you're already a business owner, you did your LLC thing, kind of rolling along pretty well, but now you're working without contracts or you are getting into business collaborations, whether you're an influencer or whether you sell portraits or things like that, like you need contracts and things to make sure that you're set up and legally protected. So I go over all of those things with Um, clients in that regard. And then I've also started offering something called a business audit, which is we sit down, we look at what you have already, see where you kind of have some weak points, where your strong points are, and how to overall make sure that your business is going to be successful. So I've been calling it business strategies and business consults as far as like going through the audits and kind of educating people on what it is to actually own a business. Because I truly do believe that it is possible for if you have a dream or if you have something that you are really good at that you can monetize it. That doesn't mean that everything needs to be monetized. So getting into the realm of like, okay, you can do this as a hobby, but if you're not ready to turn this into a business and what that's going to look like, maybe just keep it as a hobby and making sure that people, I feel like it's kind of like a societal thing. People kind of see what other people are doing and think like, oh, I'm just going to do that or Someone has one thing that works for them that one time and it's not the right way to do it. But then they start telling everybody as if, (laughs) you know, that's the way to go. So having the experience that I have and being in the field, I noticed that there's a lot of misinformation and sometimes people just honestly just can't afford it. So that's another aspect of kind of why I started my business. I want to make sure people have access to correct and valid information from an expert professional. Yeah, that's so important. Mm -hmm. because a lot of entrepreneurs, you may have the talent, 
you know, as you may be an artist or a hairstylist, you have the talent for it, but get tripped up on the business, yes. whether that's legal or tax sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of times starting with the legal, you may not know where to start. And it's nice to have someone from your own community. If you know a lawyer or someone who can educate you correctly and not just exactly. you kind of an internet educated person. And I'm trying not to undervalue maybe people's experiences, but at the sure. same time, we're dealing with legal and tax issues. You want to make sure you speak into the right people. Exactly. Exactly. And you're right. There's people who have the experience, they have gone through, they've put in the time, they've made the mistakes and put in the work. And so not at all to undervalue that type of information and resource. But at the same time, sometimes I think people feel like that's a one size fits all. And that's where people kind of get in the weeds and start doing something that is not really conducive to their business or other people's business, even though it worked for somebody else or somebody else might be successful. So you're very right to bring up that point that it's not undermining, but just making sure you have the best information for you. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So entrepreneurship is definitely probably the the key way a lot of people in black and brown communities make it to financial independence or really increase their financial situation is starting that business, working for themselves, kind of being their own boss. But there's a lot that goes into it, not only just on the like making the business work, but on the legal side or whether that's set up or maintaining or operating your business. So what would you say is the most difficult part about owning a business or a couple if there is a tie or so? Right. For me, and from my experience and what I've seen, I think the administrative part and making sure that you're keeping up with your documents, your paperwork, your licensing, just making sure your website is within, you know, your domains are within compliance, basically within the time that you paid for them and you're not outside using outside of not paid your website and design and things like that. Those type of things. Because at the beginning, it's cumbersome to get all those things together and to initiate and to start. And then once you have those things down, you kind of switch modes depending on the type of creative or business person that you are. You switch modes and you start actually like doing the things that makes your business a business, whether that be creating the products or marketing or all of the more, I think, what I like to call fun <laughs> things. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, people get, but that that's why they started the business, right? Because they love what they do. And then they kind of, it's in the back of the mind that like, oh yeah, I'm going to have to do that at some point or someday or later on in the year. But there's not a lot of strategy put towards, okay, I can automate this. So every six months, I'm going to just look at all of my business documents, look at my contracts, see what's going on with that. Or every quarter, I'm going to look at all of my banking information and my website information, just basically keeping up with stuff. From what I've seen, that's one of the hardest things because people just simply forget, right? It's kind of like the back burner part of running a business, but it's one of the most important things that you need to do because honestly, if you're not taking the time to periodically do that, one, it becomes a big job if you're only doing it once a year. Like people who prepare for their taxes, you know, your personal tax, you can maybe do that, you know, wait till the end of the year and kind of get everything together. But also that's kind of, it's cumbersome. People don't look forward to getting all your tax documents together for your personal. So just imagine doubling that or tripling that, depending, like you said, on how many businesses you have. I mean, that it's so easy to miss stuff when you're just doing it at one time. You know, you've thrown away some receipts. You forgot about that one client that didn't pay. Like there's so many things that can get lost in translation and then moving that stuff over 
for your CPA or to do your taxes or simply to get a loan. Sometimes your business, your the banks or your financial institution will say, you know, let me see the last few transactions you've had, depending on the type of business. You know, that could be cumbersome depending on the last time you did that, right? So right. that administrative task of not having a plan, strategy, or someone to do it even will really get people in the end because sometimes it ends up being too much or because you haven't kept up with it and then you try and start. Sometimes the state will be like, where your entity is gone because it took you too long for you to come back and renew. You know, yeah. you have to pay a higher fee or, you know, you're going to have to dissolve. You're no longer viable and active. So helping people to get that down and get a strategy down for how to do that works for them and that they're going to be able to keep up with has been really, really cool to see because it alleviates a lot of stress from people. And they don't know that they have that problem until we start talking about it a lot of times, which is why the business audit is a little bit of a newer service on top of what I'm offering. And of course, making sure people understand what trademark and copyright is. I think that is invaluable, but it's a bit harder to convince an entrepreneur or anybody, right? That you need something in the future. You need something as like life insurance or your car insurance warranty. I feel like those type of things, sometimes people are just like, "Mm, I mean, I know I should, but I don't really have to do that right now. And then by the time you do have to do it, it's kind of like you're rushing or it's almost too late because now you have other issues that have now compiled because you didn't get into it. And so I know that's like maybe a long-winded answer, but those are two of the most important things. And even myself, I'm still trying to make sure that I'm getting my clients to understand how valuable the little things, the behind the scenes type of things are, if not as much as important as whatever it is that you're selling or whatever that is the crux of your business, those backhand things and getting your trademark, your copyright, your contracts, your administrative stuff all in order. If you don't have that, technically you don't really have a business. So yeah, it's super important. Yeah. And as you're talking, what came to mind, just kind of comparing it to maybe a a more established corporation or company, right? A lot of these administrative tasks or organizational tasks are considered maybe back office, right? So if you have like whatever law firm, right? The lawyers are kind of the people going out there doing what needs to be done, getting clients, making money. But there's a whole team of people that need to make sure billing is taken care of and all of the things to make the entity run. um, Super important. And as an entrepreneur, you're all of that. And sometimes because it's kind of back office, you forget about it or you're not as Mm -hmm. comfortable with it. So you're opening yourself up to some areas of risk, especially depending on what kind of work you do. I do think people who are more dealing with clients and, and just open to risks and, and of contract disputes or disagreements, right? Exactly. Those people may need to be more on top of exactly. this back office type thing. A hundred percent. Yeah. And you're right. It's kind of like the man behind the curtain <laughs> type of situation, because if you're working at a regular job, you have different departments, right? You have your HR and you have like you said, your billing, and then you have your upfront staff, and then you have people. So when you're your own business, you have to think of it in the exact same terms, but on a much smaller scale. So if you're not going to, in a way, contract some of that stuff out, and it doesn't have to be super expensive to contract stuff out either, using stuff like Fiverr or using newer 
apps and businesses that will basically help you compile the information that you need so that you don't have to become, in a sense, a one-man band or a one-woman band where you're doing everything. Because I also don't recommend that, right? It needs to be taken care of. That doesn't mean that the entrepreneur that you have by themselves, yes, exactly, has to be this person with 10 arms because that's never going to end well either. It's almost the same as if you almost didn't do it because something is going to be done sloppily or you're going to have an upset or disgruntled client or a back-end person or lose money. And that doesn't bode well for your business either. So it's just different, definitely learning curve and getting into a business mindset from an employee mindset, which is where a lot of smaller business owners come from sometimes. Right. And a word you said before, I think that is key and it's so important to me, not only in business, but like my personal life is automation. Mm-hmm. If I can set up something recurring or count whatever it is to assist me, I'm going to do that because... Like you said, there's a lot of responsibility and there's really no reason for you to own all those things on your own, you know, get help where you can. And and automation, especially in today's day and age, is probably a number one or two answer for that. Got you, got you. And also, I I wanted to backtrack. I don't mean to bring up businesses. I know because of podcasts and doing things for people, I don't want to bring up a business sponsorship or bringing up a name. So if that is an issue, I won't do that in the future. I apologize. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. (laughs) So what I did wanted to ask you, right, as a lawyer who's also running a business and and you're mentioning some of those things, right? What are some common mistakes entrepreneurs make from the outset in in like structuring a new business or new idea? Got it. Yeah. So one I kind of already mentioned, it's kind of the one size fits all mentality. So they will see somebody that's running a business. I'm being generous. I'll say similar, but sometimes it's not even even a similar business. Like somebody is selling a product and somebody else is selling this service or one person is selling a book and the client that I have is selling swimming pool equipment, you know, the berries. But people feel like one that like, oh, if so-and-so is doing it, then I don't think that's something that's necessary for my business, even though you come to me as the expert. Not so much now. So people are getting to the point where they're getting a bit more comfortable understanding. And maybe it's just me also communicating, setting the tone of this is going to be a unique experience for you and your business. So we're going to take a deep dive on just what you're doing and what would be best for you. But yeah, a lot of people will see things online or even look up things through Google and think that that's kind of, you know, the best way they want to go to either be cost effective or, you know, when people don't understand something, you kind of fear the unknown in a way. So they try to make it as familiar for them as possible. But obviously, this is not their area of expertise yet. So it gets to a point of like trying to, I feel like a lot of times convincing the client that what I'm telling them is going to be good for their business. And sometimes if you've already started as an entrepreneur, kind of started stacking your bricks and you're getting some income in, it gets harder for you to take the advice because it's not in step with what you've already been doing and you have to pivot. And that becomes an issue sometimes because when you're pivoting, one, it kind of slows up your business because you're having to change what you were already doing. And it can be a bit annoying. (laughs) And and I understand that. But one of the biggest things is like, just don't try to replicate something based off of what you've seen online or on Instagram or this fellow guru person who is had a successful business and now wants to tell everybody else, like, just be weary of taking on any advice when they don't know the ins and outs of your particular business. And another thing too is making sure you have a contract 
or something in writing before you collaborate with someone or before you bring somebody in or even sometimes show people your products and services. I see a lot of people just kind of doing word of mouth and then something will happen. And I'll be like, okay, so what did your contract say? Let's go ahead and get that out. And they're like, there was no contract. It just kills me every time because it's just like, even if you don't go to an attorney to start your business off, invest the time to get a contract or something in writing before you do business with someone because it can turn south. And then God forbid that it does. But if it does, that's going to be one of your only and best sources of recourse because the contract is kind of like your guiding structure. And everybody, when you start business with somebody, they're your friends. And then maybe towards the middle or the end, you're kind of like, hmm, maybe they're not so much my friend. <laughs> so it just, yeah. you have to make sure that you're keeping a business mind with things and not kind of just trying to pull from anywhere. And social media is super, super helpful. And I think it's great for business and definitely should be utilized, but utilized properly and correctly because it does cause a lot of entrepreneurs to make mistakes and to kind of get into the weeds with things that are not helpful for their business at all. Yeah. As you talk about the contracts, getting things in writing, mm-hmm. it, especially when it's someone you're familiar with, maybe not even someone you call a friend, but yeah. you have some level of familiarity. You think, oh yeah, we have a agreement we spoke about. Mm-hmm. Or even like in a text message, as much as you, oh that, you yeah. think that's the writing, like yeah. text is, is not enough, mm-hmm. right? At the bare minimum, right? Send someone an email. You have a conversation, just say, okay, I'm going to follow that up with an email. And that's exactly something I think a lot of people, hopefully you, you kind of learn from maybe being an employee or working in corporate, right? You have a conversation with someone, just follow up with an email yeah. for that, just paper trail, because you want to make sure that you're on the same page so that if things do go south, you can reference something and it's not just my word against theirs. Exactly. Which is a position you don't want to be in, right? To where you have to, because it, it takes more time. It takes more energy. You just end up spending more money. The way I explained it to one of my clients recently, I said, so say you don't get a contract and things don't, something happens. We're going to spend money not only on having to litigate it or do whatever has to be done to rectify the situation, but we're going to spend time trying to figure out what happened, gather as much evidence. Was there anybody that you talked to? Did they talk to? Was there a mutual? You spend all this time spinning your wheels when you could simply just have a piece of paper. It's very straightforward. And a lot of times I tell people contracts are not the big end all be all, right? But a lot of times when you present someone, whether it's somebody you're familiar with or not with a contract, not only does it promote that you're professional and you have your stuff together, but it also kind of lessens the likelihood that there's going to be shady business going on because both parties now know once we both sign this, in a sense, we've read it and we agree to what's going on. So they're less likely to come back and start saying, oh, you did something that you weren't supposed to do or we didn't have that. It's all in the contract. So it kind of lessens the likelihood that you're going to have to go down the road of dealing with someone or dealing with anything that is outside of what you guys agreed to. So it just ends up being so helpful <laughs> to be an entrepreneur and a small business owner. And the other thing you mentioned about social media, right? Yes. It being so helpful, but sometimes we make social media all areas of our business, right? Yes. Um, we talked about that back office before. Social media is great for marketing maybe or mm-hmm. some other administrative tasks, but you cannot leverage social media for your law or, you know, your 
legal um, advice, your tax advice, for your administrative advice, for your organization, right? It's built as a marketing tool and connecting people. And we should leave it at that for the most part. Yes, there's, you know, other ways to get in touch with people and of course the networking of it. But I'm concerned that maybe our society has lean too much on social media and what apps can do for us. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, you know, that's helpful to someone and we just kind of pivot or just rethink it in some ways, how we're, how we're leveraging it. Yes, I love that. Definitely the pivoting between when you're moving forward, like we talked about previously, not being a one-man band. And that includes getting experts where you really just need an expert. Having a business, there's just going to be expenses that your investments is what I, I like to tell my clients. It is. It's an investment into your business, right? You wouldn't go to a hospital and start telling the doctor, you know, oh, I can, you know, wrap my wrist. If you broke it, you're going to let them do their job because they are the expert. In the same realm, you want to, and you wouldn't do that because, you know, something can happen with your wrist or you can do it wrong, end up having to go back, you're going to have to spend extra money. That is the exact same situation that happens when you don't invest into getting, like you said, the CPAs, the lawyers, the maybe the administrative bookkeepers or the professionals that you need to do your business. If that's not your realm, then you definitely need to get somebody else who is an expert. If for nothing else, get a consult, right? Even if you're not in the position to really pay the fees, because I don't ever, ever, ever suggest going to a professional or an expert and then trying to negotiate or (laughs) haggle their fees because the budget is just not there. By all means, you know, stay within your budget as you're building. It's a process. Building a business is always a process. It's not going to happen overnight. However, a lot of professionals and a lot of experts I know, they will consult with you even if you don't hire them. So you pay, which is a smaller fee. You can get them for an hour, 30 minutes, however, you know, their stuff is set up. And just get some questions answered and some things laid down before you start making decisions that are ultimately not going to help or be anywhere beneficial for your business. And it also shows that, you know, you're serious. You have you've now built a rapport with that person. Maybe they can recommend somebody that would be better suited or more helpful or that may be able to give you a service that would still help your business, even if it's not going to be that professional it's just invaluable, invaluable time that you spend with someone who's just an expert in their field that you're just not going to get that unless you're going to spend a lot of the time it takes to compile that information. And I don't suggest that either. Exactly. So what would you say is probably the most overlooked area of risk for entrepreneurs and probably coinciding with that, the area where they need to consult with the lawyer? And we spoke about a few, but if you had to say this is where most entrepreneurs miss or create situations of unnecessary or unnoticed risk. Right. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it just, it's so important. Your contracts, even doing legal Zoom that, like I said, I try not to promote other businesses, but there are things like that, right? The Google culture of getting on the internet and just pulling any random templates. You could get on right now and find all kinds of contracts, templates, and different things like that. But the problem is going to be, you're going to need a disclaimer, right? You're going to need to make sure that the duration, it makes sense for you and the person. And yes, you can go in and edit a few things, but it's not going to be the same when something happens with that contract. And a lot of people will have a lawyer look over the contract that you send to them. So they'll know if you're sending them, you know, a legal Zoom document that hasn't really been curated to what's going on. So that's just going to be one of the most important things, most valuable things even I tell my clients, 
If you don't have the resources to do everything that I'm telling you, one thing that I do recommend is to get a contract drafted from an attorney who's going to be able to explain that contract to you. And not only that, that's going to put in the clauses and things that are necessary for your industry and business, because there is something that's good for services as far as your service contract agreement, but there's also going to be something for products. So for product liability. So you don't want to have a product liability contract when you are providing services and vice versa, because it just defeats the process. And the legal jargon, that's the best way to call it, is going to kind of look the same unless you're kind of savvy on reading through the legal document or just knowing kind of what to look for, it's very easy to make a mistake. And then when something happens and we're going to litigate this contract, we're like, okay, now we have to figure out what exactly is going on here before we can even start mediation or start getting to a solution. So making sure that your documentation is in order, consulting with an attorney for those purposes, even if that's the only thing you do. Again, I don't recommend that, but even if that's the only thing you do, it's going to be beneficial to your business because once you do it a few times and you kind of really utilize that resource that you have, it can serve you for a really long time, honestly, until you may have new changes that come up with your business. But that gets really overlooked because like I said before, a lot of people they're just now getting into the realm of like, oh, we need to have a contract to do business together, even though, you know, it's going to be a collaboration or a back end thing, getting in the mindset of like, we still need to have something signed and then making sure what it is that you guys are signing is a complete and quality product. So that's great advice. And I think agree, that's probably where most people miss out on opportunities or create yes. opportunities of risk because they're not clear up front. And honestly, that's not just kind of fault of business interactions, but just how people deal with each other in yes. life, right? We're not always clear upfront that's and it. the whole point of business and legal and lawyers, all of that is to mitigate that and make sure as you're entering into business transactions, everyone's on the same page. Exactly. That's so true. And again, it goes into a mindset shift of, okay, we're no longer dealing with each other as and consumers, we're dealing with each other as producers, as business owners, as business entities. So I like to even explain this to clients because sometimes it can get confusing, right? Because you're right, like you do have to build your relationship. They're still a human. <laughs> you're still interacting with them on a social level, but at the same time, making sure you have that business mindset in the forefront as well. So that your business is an entity in and of itself, depending on what business you have. So if you have an LLC, an LLC is a person. So that's how I refer to it. You have you as the client and then you have your LLC, the person, and you need to make sure that like the LLC is supposed to protect you as the person. So when you're dealing with someone, your LLC is right there up front, front and center. So don't forget that when, you know, you're dealing with someone, whether they're super likable or not, <laughs> you have to make sure that this is a business transaction and a business relationship very much first, as well as trying to interact with people and making sure that you're branding yourself. And that's another thing too. This isn't really a problem that I come across often. I think with the business part of it being more of the kind of getting them to think of a business focus, which I personally like because branding and making your brand unique and relatable and stand out, that's something that is going to be invaluable for business as well. But we have to have a good balance between the two. 
It can't just be all branding and no business and vice versa. Just copyright, trademarking and all of that is going to also protect your brand just as much as it protects your business so that you can continue to promote yourself without fear of replication and not having any type of recourse for that. Yeah, that's great advice. So I guess the the last question I, I wanted to go over is a little bit of a pivot, but thinking of business owners or people who are pursuing entrepreneurship, but also working full time or having a job mm. um, outside of their business, right? As they're starting a business and still working, what would you say are some risks and then rewards of taking that approach and, and thinking about how you should protect yourself legally or just approach it as you're entering entrepreneurship? So this is something I really like to talk about because it's personal to my life as well. I had to figure out how to do that because coming from the background that I had, I had a job right out of law school. I kind of intern clerked and then ended up working as an attorney all the same place, right? So I had to make the transition of, okay, I'm just interning here and I'm going to be working here versus seeing like, oh, there's opportunity for me to also hang my own shingle, as they like to say. So being able to, one, realistically think about it. And make sure that that's something that you want to do. For me, I had a lot of people that were just like, oh, you know, you don't have to do both. You know, just go out on your own and you can leave the nine to five and do it. It'll work. And as much as, you know, I didn't doubt that, I didn't feel like that was the best option for me because I wanted to make sure that when I was helping people and helping clients, taking clients on, that I was genuinely doing right by them and giving them value and not just doing whatever work comes in because I needed to make income. <laughs> you know, I needed to get paid. I needed to have groceries and things. And as much as people say that doesn't, it does. It does because sometimes it can, especially I think when you have a certain type of specialty and a certain type of service that you're providing, you want to be able to, one, make sure you're giving quality product but also being careful with the clients that you take and the way that you're servicing them, interacting with them, because that's going to affect your branding. And I take that very seriously because I do still have a nine to five. And so I don't want people to think badly on my company or anything because it's not exactly tethered, but it's also not exactly a secret (laughs) that I do um, other things on the side. And I don't ever want to sour one relationship based off of the other or vice versa. So one thing about balancing and making sure that this is something that I could feasibly do, right? That I keep the professionalism that I have at my job the same way that I do with my firm and also making sure that I have the capacity, the bandwidth to do it. So that's another thing about delegating, making sure you're not being a one-man band in a sense, but just making sure you have the time and realistically understanding what it's going to mean to work nine to five and then come back and essentially kind of work a nine to five again once you get off with, you know, a minimal break and being able to balance that without burnout, taking breaks as normal, still taking vacations and really having a semblance of a work-life balance. I have not mastered (laughs) that exactly the way as far as like making sure I have a good semblance of balance for me. But I do also, again, I make it a priority to schedule in breaks, schedule in, you know, time away. If I've said that I'm going to be away from work, that means both jobs. So even though this is my career and I love what I do, making sure that you're able to not become consumed by what you're doing and remembering kind of why you started 
and also having a semblance of like, yes, I'm providing a service. I'm providing a product for the community, for the world, for whoever your client is. And as I'm doing that, I need to make sure I'm putting out the best product. And if I get to a point where that's not happening or something is not going well, I need to be able to take a step back. I guess for a full-time entrepreneur or someone that's wanting to get out there and just go through it without doing the nine to five, that's awesome, right? That's a whole other sphere that you have to deal with. And I think that that's amazing. But for people like me who are just like, you know, I think I can do both. I think I can balance both of them. I think it's very much possible. And I like to tell people too, I also like to, you know, have that, I guess it's kind of like a fallback in a way, make that paycheck that's coming in every month, that insurance, those are things. And also I learned from those things and use that to help my clients because you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There are businesses, companies, the company you work for even, that has all of these processes in place within legal realms. Don't go and steal their whole business plan and then think you can right. copy paste it into what you're doing. That is not how that works. But in a sense of learning, there's reasons why there's hours of work and then you have a break. There's reasons why there's professional development and the HR department. That like These things are things you have to, again, translate over to what you're doing, but knowing how to do that in a way that's conducive for you. And if that is something that works for you, I know that was a, a long-winded answer, but that is something that I really, I do like talking to my clients about because I do have people who are super interested in keeping their nine to five, but needing to get information to start off with. And I just always want people to have a realistic picture of that is completely doable, but just make sure that you are ready and have a way to set out that time because it's going to take extra time that you would usually, when you get off of work, kind of decompress and chill out and then get ready for the work the next day. And that time becomes very minimal when you have another business that you have to run when you get off of work. Yeah, that's great advice. And even if it long-winded, but it's important to say to people because as you're transitioning to building it a new business and becoming an entrepreneur, part of the risk there is your time and just making the word you use is bandwidth, right? You don't want right. to have yourself so stretched thin that you're dropping the ball in one area, not only in your business, but in the place where you're, you're currently working. So I think that can be very helpful to anyone yeah. looking to start a business. And I think a lot of what we talked about, I hope it is helpful for them as well. So yeah. Uh, I definitely appreciate you, you talking to us today. So any last words? And of course, you know, make sure you can give everyone your socials and where to find you or to contact you. Definitely, definitely. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate having the opportunity to speak with you on this podcast and also being able to give a bit more information, inside information of what it takes to build a business. And I would say on just the personal level, right? Because you're going to be an entrepreneur. You're the person that's running it making sure you're taking care of yourself, taking the time to have time to think or write things down or just self-reflect or just take a minute when building your business because it's super easy to be busy, but it's not as easy to be productive within the time that you have to do what you need to do. So just making sure, you know, whether that's praying and meditating, that's a big thing for me. I make sure, you know, to connect in, in my prayer, connect with myself, connect with God and make sure that I remember why I'm doing what I'm doing and doing that will be a lot. It'll be helpful with just making sure that you're moving correctly in your business, much more valuable <laughs> than people sometimes think that it is. But for my purposes, reaching me, I am on all social platforms. So 
Twitter at just attorney QK, the same for Instagram. And I believe, yes, Snapchat is the same as well. And you can also reach me by my website. It is www.qkiconsultingllc.com. And I have all services there for consoles, for contacts, and also just checking Instagram and Facebook. Oh, Facebook as well, QKI Consulting LLC. I post little tidbits and just new specials and things that are running there. So I am, again, grateful for being connected to your community and hope that anyone that has questions, please reach out. And yeah, thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you so much, Quari. I appreciate the conversation today. Yes. Yes, you too.